submitted for your approval. A world gluttonous with content. One might say too much content for any one man to find all of it, consume it all, and make his own determination. And in that world, one little-known podcast, an independent one formed by a brother-and-sister team, its mission is to go through all these forms of content and determine what belongs on your shelf. But what this brother and sister don't know is that they're in for a world where they will do this forever. Couldn't happen? Well, it could. Here on Shelf Life. I'm Kevin. Or Rod Serling. This, this is Shelf Life, a podcast hosted by a brother and sister where we are going through all things in the uh, pop culture zeitgeist one at a time, uh, insisted on by Rachel that we go through them one at a time, to determine what How else would you do it? In... One at a time? You would do like 12 well, at we'd, a time? Well, we'd skip stuff we think is only mediocre, oh, okay. and we don't do that here at Shelf Life. No. We are very thorough. So we are going through things one at a time to determine what belongs... As part of your collection, what belongs on your shelf? What is shelf worthy? And we've been doing all sorts of things um, here on this first season of Shelf Life, from movies to comics to TV. And today we have a very we're we're going in the wayback machine. We're starting close to the beginning, at least for television. Rachel, what is up for consideration today? We're going into the Twilight Zone. That's right. We're starting our adventure into the multiverse. Well, so I guess we should point out. Uh, yeah, we are doing. We are starting the Twilight Zone. It's the it's the first season of the Twilight Zone, uh, the first part of the Twilight Zone. So two things for you, gentle listener. One, we are recording this on our nation's birthday. Uh, so if you hear cracks going off in the background it's fireworks there are not explosions in your house car bathroom or wherever you're listening to this <laughs> i would hope not um i maybe not i mean who knows there if you're listening be. to this in the dystopian future there either could be i guess two because it's the twilight zone we are recording this extremely late at night and three because it's the twilight zone we are recording this with no lights on I the only light that Ra- that that Rachel can see of me is the is the glow of my laptop. I have the microphone up to my face like like I'm an old timey <laughs> recording artist, just to give that illusion. Because I want us to be sucked back into the world of 1959. Because that's where we're going right now. Oh, Rachel yeah. just turned off another light. Yeah. Well, because I felt like, you know, you, you have all your lights off. I might as well turn some of mine off as well. I mean, <laughs> I don't... There, It's possible. Well, well, we even... We started the recording. There were some glitches. There oh was my some gosh. weird stuff going on. So I don't... It's possible that some weird stuff could happen to us. I, I mean, we Does, are going into the Twilight Zone. Like, we're like physically going into it. Okay, that's what we mean. The, behind the door. We're going or behind in, the door. Or because it's, because <laughs> the, it's the first door. season, we're going into that weird cave chasm thing. <laughs> that's that's true, a, yeah. that... <laughs> I can't really tell what that is. So, we've been stuck in the 90s for a while. We're going way, all the way back to 1959. And for 
many listeners, there's a possibility that they don't really know, one, what the Twilight Zone is, or two, why we would choose the Twilight Zone to start or have a part of in season one. So, Rachel, I'm going to ask you uh, to kind of help answer the listener both those questions. Like, why? What is the Twilight Zone, and and why did we, why did we pull it in? Why did we book the book the Twilight Zone for the for the season? Well, so uh, the Twilight Zone is a TV show that likes to kind of poke at um, the what ifs of the world, like oh, what if certain things could happen, or like weird supernaturally things were real, things like of that nature. It's not if you wheel. If, if you wheel, uh, not something that could like technically happen in our realm, but also could happen. It gets very murky, so that's what I would call the Twilight Zone. Yeah, it's like science fiction yes. and fantasy. Yes, if you want to give it a genre, yeah, science so, fiction, and fantasy, and sometimes and sometimes horror. Yeah, and sometimes horror. You get a little action every once in a while. You know, maybe a western in there. A Western mixed with <laughs> fantasy. Yeah, I mean, it is, that's what it is. It is a, it's an anthology series. Every every episode is different, uh, which means because every episode is different, we will tell you, we don't have to tell you whether each season needs to be on the shelf. We don't have to wait till the end of the seasons to tell you if it belongs on the shelf or not. We're going to tell you if the episode has shelf life. Yeah. Because you can pick and choose how you watch The Twilight Zone. I would say it has a lot of commentary on modern life Absolutely. in the early 60s. And it is famous, uh, of course, what I think most people know of The Twilight Zone, even if you've never seen an episode or, or don't know much about it, is the twist endings. Yes. Which, more often than not, it's not necessarily that there is a twist. It's It's a lot of... They got more than they bargained for. Right. Like or the like there's character. like some sort of reveal of like what actually it could be happening. Or they learn a lesson. Yes. Like a lot of these are parables. A lot of these episodes are parables. Yeah. Very, very much like short story little novelettes put into 30 minute episodes. Yes. And, that, um, and, and the interesting thing is, is there was a revival of the Twilight Zone that came out, I guess not recently, but you know, fairly recently. I think they canceled it at this point, but there was a season or two of that that they there did. That's modern. That's more modern. Yeah. Right. And a lot of modern people would probably equate this to Black Mirror. Yes. Black Mirror is definitely a modern. Twilight Zone is more sci-fi fantasy horror. Black Mirror is is definitely just sci-fi. And is uh, uh, sci-fi dystopian. Right, which is typically just kind of shoving the stuff that is real into a more extreme version and like just throwing it in your face. Like <laughs> this is actually what it is. <laughs> the, the difference between the two shows is I feel bad after watching Black Mirror. Black Mirror gave me anxiety. Like it yeah. legitimately made me feel like I was yeah. about to have a panic attack and I was so, like, okay, so I I can't watch this often. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't watch more than one episode of Black Mirror. Sometimes Twilight Zone leaves me kind of freaked out. Just a little unnerved. Most, most often, like, there's there's episodes that leave you with a smile on your face. Oh, or, yeah, that too. Or yeah. like, oh, okay, learned a lesson or mm -hmm. whatever. But definitely not with Black Mirror. No, Black Mirror, I feel like, is always that. No, we're trying to make your stomach just turn constantly. Is Black Mirror on the list, Rachel? <laughs> 
I think we might have to. I think you know what? Yeah, yeah let's let's add that to the list. Where's yeah, my list? Yeah, put that on the list. Where's it? Where? Wait, what happened to your note? What happened to your notebook? I gotta find it. Where is my notebook? Wait, this isn't my notebook. You dropped your NXT belt fell. Oh no! What? But this one's not. This isn't my notebook. Hold on. This is getting weird. Got it. It was on the shelf. Oh, she got it. It was okay. on the shelf. Okay. <laughs> My shelf for life a second there, notes I, were on the shelf. For a shelf. second there, I thought I thought that like it got replaced in the multiverse. Yeah, I mean it's just something. it's just totally blank now and full of pictures instead. <laughs> All of that kind of brings us to why we're doing the Twilight Zone. I will sum it up this way. I well, and Rachel, I'll ask you this question too. So I'll, I'll go first. I had never watched the Twilight Zone at all. Uh, maybe here or there I knew of some stuff. It was probably too scary for me as a 25-year-old. But <laughs> I I know all of the famous beats and moments of the Twilight Zone mm -hmm. because they've been done by... So, they've been done so many times by so many things, else, other things that we as love. As parodies. Like, as parodies or homages. Even like camera angles. Some of the cinematography has been mm -hmm. done in, in other things. It's been it's so beloved by our parents and their parents' generation that a lot of the stuff when we were kids and still to this day use the Twilight Zone as homage or parody or inspiration. Absolutely. So I knew a lot about it. So maybe five years ago or so when I saw that Netflix had all the Twilight Zones, I was like, well, I'm going to start watching them while I like do whatever work or, or play a video game or something so i started watching them and and they vary in quality but you see why people really took to them because it i think it probably was one of those first tv shows that stood for something and had a lot of heart and commentary and was different i thought thought it was a, a good choice to go with because it as we did we said with the simpsons and with Seinfeld, it's kind of the root of a lot of the television world that we enjoy. Mm -hmm. And it's the same with, I mean, it really starts with The Twilight Zone. You can't get through a lot of Simpsons seasons without Twilight Zone, Twilight Zone, oh, Twilight absolutely. Zone, Twilight Zone. It is all over The Simpsons. Yeah. But Rachel, what's your experience with The Twilight Zone? I've always been into like sci-fi, fantasy, all of that kind of stuff. So I'm pretty sure that if this was on TV... I would be watching it. Yeah. Even when I was younger, it was, it was, I would watch it. There's a lot of episodes that stick into your head. There's like the really famous ones that a lot of people, even if they haven't watched it, probably know. They know it. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then there's the little ones, the hidden gems that a lot of people just don't parody or, or show off in other shows a lot that it's like, oh, well, this one's actually like a really good one type of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, some of them kind of flop, so we'll get to it. But um, yeah, some of them are not very good, right? <laughs> so, but I I enjoy just having it on, even just like in the background. It's just kind of like a nice thing to watch, and sometimes you can still parallel things to today's world, even. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we'll 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 get into it. Yeah, I mean, it's it is. I think to this day, overall, I will kind of probably say like the show has shelf life, but but we're gonna go into into the individual episodes mm -hmm. and, and determine that. When you're talking about the Twilight Zone, it all starts with Rod Serling. Rod Serling is the creator. He is the poor imitation voice that I tried at the beginning of the episode. He's the narrator. He's the writer. And, and he's kind of your host. 
of the show um he doesn't come out in the first season but he does walk across the screen sometimes in later seasons right but as we've done on other episodes of television or the movies give you a little bit of a little bit of background on how what we're going to walk through came together before we deep dive into the episodes because uh it's important to to know a little bit about where this is this is coming from and why the show was made in the first place uh, how did it get made if you if you wheel i've heard that before <laughs> i don't know why so rod serling was when the twilight zone what came to fruition he was uh, known kind of as an angry man in hollywood he would clash with the censors over censorship constantly mm-hmm. but that all stems from his past from when he was growing up and was always kind of a consummate performer. He was a guy that was into pulp fiction type stuff, would love, you know, the comics, those dime store books, the radio shows, that kind of stuff. Uh, And he's growing up in the 20s and 30s. In high school, he wrote for the school paper, and because it just out of encouragement, like people realized that he kind of was creative. He needed like an outlet for it. Okay. So he wrote for the school paper and he gained a, a reputation for being a bit of a social activist. So if you can imagine somebody that's a social activist in the 30s, um, <laughs> that's what Rod Serling kind of gained a reputation for being. In 1943, he joined the war and he became part of the Parachute Infantry Regiment, where he ended up in the Philippines as you could probably kind of guess if he's kind of a social activist he speaks his mind okay and the army is not going to stop him he is sent to the death squad basically he <laughs> must have pissed someone off because he was sent to a squad that like had 50 percent mortality rate like wow. it was something where he's the good chance he's gonna die Jeez, um, that's ridiculous yeah he he really wasn't a good soldier he he was pretty bad he he just didn't want to pay attention to a lot of the rules, but he did believe in the war effort. So, I mean, that's how that generation was. They they felt like they had to fight. Right. As we've talked about. It, I mean, to your point, Rachel, World War II. I mean, I mean, World War II is my favorite war. Yeah, it's all of our favorite. <laughs> There's only three good wars, and one of them was World War II. Yeah. So the war and his experience in the war affected his writing for the rest of his life. And you see that in the Twilight Zone. A lot of it is about death. A lot of it is about how death can hit you at any time. About A lot of it takes place in the Philippines. A lot of it is about the war, which makes sense. I mean, the context that you we have to remember is the Twilight Zone starts in 1959 1960 that's the first fall spring season of the twilight zone okay that is 15 not even years after the war is over so i mean go 15 years ago from the time of this recording right it's not that far in the past no it really isn't when you really put it in perspective oh my god so rachel (laughs) rachel is actually in the twilight zone now she's behind the scary door I mean, even that, Futurama with the scary door. Yes! We're going to enter in to the scary door. I mean, <laughs> we're not going to... Yeah, this is... I don't know. One of, I mean, we're, we're really tempting fate with my weird, scary hallway. <laughs> and now you're like by the... It, we're just keep an eye on things, okay? 
Cause I, I mean, we got the we got the bomb things going on. I know the, the bomb things. You mean fireworks? <laughs> I hope yeah, it's not like a right. bomb. All of a sudden, we turn into like we're actually in World War Two. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, so after the war, he went to college, and he became part of the college radio station there. He wrote, he directed, he acted in a bunch of the programs. He met his wife. They had two daughters. So he's he's living a, a normal GI after the war kind of life. Sure. And he kept writing radio shows for different things after college. He sent into a radio show contest, which he won. Wow. Uh, and he also began writing freelance scripts with very, very little success. Okay. So, so what happened was he moved to Cincinnati. He became a continuity writer for a radio and sold some freelance scripts. And I, th- I assume like a continuity writer for a radio show is like people that do like screenplay editing and like continuity editing on screenplay stuff. So he was basically editing and making sure. Because you got to, again, we have to like put ourselves in a world most of us don't remember or know. Mm-hmm. So it's like radio shows back then weren't just, oh, my friends, what are we talking about? What's really destroying America today? It was more, or, <laughs> or, or something where it's like, ah, the fucking Yankees yeah. don't know what it's. It's like radio shows back then were serials. Yeah. So you'd have Batman going on an adventure on day one, and the adventure would continue on day two and day three. So you'd have to have a continuity scriptwriter so that the story made sense. Very much like ours, we have a continuity scriptwriter. Yeah, of course for, we do. Yeah, for you know, as the season progresses, as you do, you if you haven't you haven't been able to tell this underlying storyline that we have, you people haven't been paying attention. Yeah, I mean, I would go back. That's and in a different. And... Well, in a different, in a different universe, we have a con a continuity script writer. Are you sure we're not in that universe right now? I don't know. I've totally lost track. I don't know. I feel like everything's backwards. It's it's really confusing. He later kind of said that if he could do it all over, he wouldn't have become a staff writer okay. because he was basically giving away his ideas. Gotcha. Like, because he had to keep churning scripts out, it was how much of this am I going to be able to do before I can't come up with an idea anymore <laughs> sure. for himself? So he didn't think radio was keeping up with TV, so he, he decided to become a writer for TV. So he kind of changed his profession. He started writing commercials, basically, and 1950s-style commercials mm-hmm. where... It was for, you know, like ointments and snake oil and stuff like that, (laughs) that, you know, garbage. Right. Eventually, he went full freelance, and he hired an agent who convinced him to move to New York. And he wrote a script that aired on TV in 1955 called Patterns for the Kraft Television Theater, which he didn't see as anything special. He just wrote a script. It was a typical, what he thought was a Rod Serling script. He turned it in, get the money, move on. He didn't even watch it. Okay. But after it aired, he received a ton of offers. It was apparently considered at the time one of like the best things people had seen on television. Okay. The, the story was about a boss that was running out of ideas. He, had been, he was getting old. And this young executive was being groomed to take his place. And instead of firing him and making it obvious that he didn't want the guy taking his place, he enlisted him and pushed him, like pushed him to the side, like oh. made sure he got rid of his competition. Yeah. So it's like a very dark, like it sounds like a Rod Serling thing, right? Yeah, no, like, it does. Absolutely. 
So suddenly he becomes kind of this well-known, like, imagine today, like you could probably find, wow, that was a really good script or Mm -hmm. screenplay or whatever, or book or, you know, whatever. So like now suddenly people want more. He didn't have a ton of stuff at the time. So he had all this demand. So he just started selling all of his old shit and people published it. And he was like, oh crap, that was like all my garbage. And people started questioning whether or not he was a one hit wonder. But then he he started making a couple new things. People recognized how good it was. And he moved the family to California because that's really where you needed to be if you were going to be in TV and film. Mm-hmm. Now that makes sense. So when he was there writing stuff, this is where he has an issue with the censors. So again, Rachel, think of 1950s. Censorship is rampant. Oh, we, yeah. We, we, haven't, we haven't talked about it a lot with comic books because we haven't gone into the 60s with comics yet, but... This is like the McCarthy era. This is the Red Scare era. Mm-hmm. This was this is truth, justice, and the American way. Yeah, exactly. So getting away with a lot of stuff on television is probably pretty damn hard to do. Mm-hmm. And he was forced to change scripts from corporate sponsors who thought some of his scripts were too controversial. They didn't want to do anything that would make the consumers question social issues they didn't want anything that could make their competitors look good or yeah. them look bad. Mm-hmm. And there was one episode the, that I was able to dig up a couple of different. There's a, there's a few examples of like different things where he tried to push the envelope because again, he's he's kind of a he's an instigator, you know. Sure. He, he wants he, likes people, to stir the he pot wants a people bit. to think. Yeah. He wants people to think. Uh, he's a George Carlin, you know. He's a whatever. So he wrote a script where Jewish pawnbroker was lynched, which I, like, yeah, I know. Okay. We're talking the middle 50s he was doing this. Wow, okay. And he was doing it as a parable for the Emmett Till trial. Or Emmett Till, you know, Emmett Till was a a black man in the the Jim Crow South, got lynched. So he he was literally pulling this from current events, like a Law and Order episode. Absolutely. (laughs) <laughs> and they do it. Um, they do it. Folks at home, uh, if you want us to do some Law & Order, pick your favorite episodes. Like, I know we've said time and time again we're going to go episode by episode, but we just don't have time for Law & Order. <laughs> There's like 80 seasons. Oh It'd be God. like us doing Gunsmoke. It's still going. <laughs> he continues to get really good reviews. He continues to... It, it becomes kind of known that... He's frustrated with censorship. And like even the critics kind of know this. They start to kind of understand it. He kind of said like, you can't do one thing or they'll say you're a Republican. You can't do another thing and they'll say you're a Democrat. The censors and the TV studios don't want to deal with it. Which, you know, can't say that it, a lot has changed. But, no, not really. Um, <laughs> so... I'm sure some people out there have made assumptions about us after in the middle of the first season. Don't they always? Isn't that how it works? <laughs> You're judged the second yeah. you show your face or yeah. or voice. I'm not on Twitter. And my real name, again, we're using fake names. But, um, <laughs> so all this was happening. He decides the only way he can avoid artistic interference is to create his own show. So... Again, remember, he's he's kind of a very well-known and well-respected writer at the time. 
So he probably has some sway to make his own show, and it's a totally different world, the, the television world back then. So it might have been easier to be able to make your own show. In an interview with Mike Wallace, he said, I don't want to fight anymore. I don't want to have to battle sponsors and agencies. I don't want to have to push for something that I want and have to settle for second best. I don't want to have to compromise all the time, which in essence is what a television writer does if he wants to put on controversial themes. And I know that's going into a little bit of Casey Kasem, but it's kind of similar. <laughs> Rod Serling is Casey Kasem with like a lower register. Pretty much. Serling submits the time element to CBS. It's a it's a pilot for The Twilight Zone. It's a, so it's an episode called The Time Elephant. CBS doesn't want to doesn't want to give him his own show. So they use it as a science fiction script for a different show called Westinghouse Desilu Playhouse in 1958. So it was Desi Arnaz and Lucille Ball had another spin-off anthology series. Anthology series were kind of big back then. Yeah. It was a story about a man who has vivid nightmares of Pearl Harbor. He goes to a psychiatrist, and after a session, there's a twist ending where the patient had died at Pearl Harbor, and the psychiatrist was having dreams oh. about... Yeah, I mean, that gives me chills just saying that. I like that. it. <laughs> like, in my, in my, uh, my gray-scaled um, empty room with no lights on, and the fireworks have stopped, so now it's even eerier. A little bit. The episode got so much fan response... CBS let Sterling go ahead with the pilot. So he, I think the time element isn't on... We're doing this now, folks, because we don't really know where you'll be able to find the Twilight Zone. It's it's kind of spooky in that way. I'm guessing it's, yeah, it's on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, well, I think they're pulling it back into Paramount+. Plus. Like, I think no, that's, that's why what I, I think Netflix. they're doing. Yeah, that's what I think is happening. So that's how the Twilight Zone became a thing. And at the time... Sci-fi was considered kind of dime store trash. It was like the dregs of television. People were kind of even saying to Serling, they're kind of like, hey, when are you going to stop doing this sci-fi shit? When are you going to get into like drama or something like that? Okay. It's, it, it sounds like like comic books were back then too, where it's like, this is garbage. <laughs> mm-hmm. You can't possibly put anything smart in this or any message in this. Right. It's trash. Which, which, okay, hold on a second, because if you look at anything freaking sci-fi, they all have messages. They all do that. That's the that's kind of the point point of (laughs) sci-fi. But but that's but that's that's always like you know one generation doesn't understand and and so they don't necessarily see. I'm sure there was a lot of trash. There's a lot of trash oh, yeah. now that people <laughs> yeah. kind of say, like, I don't know why you like that trash. But there's gems, and, and there's stuff that, that does do good. Like, exactly. Quite frankly, I don't understand why TikTok exists. And Well, <laughs> I, I don't either, so. <laughs> I, can't, I can't be the other person on this one. A world of videos. TikToks. Five seconds long. People dancing. They send it to their friends. Why is it funny? I don't understand. The Twilight Zone. So the Twilight Zone debuts. I don't know if the time element is something you can see on streaming. Uh, it, I, it wasn't like the first episode for me, but it, we have our first pilot. Our first episode debuts on October 2nd, 1959. 
it is entitled Where Is Everybody? We will get into it. Rachel, anything else to discuss about the Twilight Zone or its history or your thoughts or feelings before we deep dive into the Twilight Zone? Oh, no, I'm ready to get going. Let's do this. Let's jump in. Let's do it. Let's do this. After a short break from our fake sponsor, we will start with Where Is Everybody? Everybody? 